So anyways, guys, we're going through, Jesus taught the disciples, he taught them about prayer. They said, please teach us to pray, and he says, here's how you're going to pray. I'm going to teach you how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So today, we come to the point of where we talk about pardon of prayer. We've talked about how prayer is relational, our Father who art in heaven. So prayer is relational. If it's not about a relationship, then you're not praying. Just because you're saying a bunch of words and said, dear, dear God, and amen at the bottom does not make it a prayer. We're good at saying prayers, but not actually praying. Okay, so I'm wanting you to understand that if it's not a relationship that you are having with him, it's not real. Okay, it's just, it's just you're just talking to a figure in, in, in the sky type of thing. So this is a relationship. Prayer is meant to be a relationship. The second thing that we talked about is that when we pray, it's about his kingdom, not mine. His, I want his kingdom. So when I'm praying to my Father in heaven, I'm wanting his kingdom to show up and take over mine. Invade my life with your kingdom. I want your will to happen, not my will. Then we talked about, um, we talked about uh, your, our daily bread right? We, the, the needs versus the wants. Well, today we're talking about pardon. And guys, I, I hope that you tune in. Today is going to be an easy day for us to be distracted because this is something that every one of us needs. It's not an accident that this sermon happens. I'm sitting here and I, and I have different meetings before church, after church, here and there and before in the week and after in the week. And all of a sudden I begin to see, I'm like, wow, Lord, I've been working on this for weeks. And all of a sudden, there's never a better time than right now. It's just like when we're studying on Wednesday, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. And it's so amazing to watch people going through that study, still letting him sit at their table, even after we told them not to. Don't let the devil sit at your table. Okay, hey, devil, would you like, I'm going to put you at the seat of honor right here because I want to hear everything you have to say right now. It's amazing how we hear exactly what we need and we miss it. We miss it. So don't miss it today. This isn't something I just dreamed up this week and said, you know what, I think I'm going to talk about forgiveness this week. No, God said, this is what you're going to talk about because my people need to hear it. So don't miss it. All right. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is a prayer to be pardoned as a guilty confession from a sinner. So what's happening is this. The first thing that we see Forgive us our debts. Here is a person who knows they're guilty, confessing that they're guilty, know that they're a sinner, they know that they've fallen short of the glory of God, they know the wages of sin is death. Here they are saying, God, forgive me. In, in our prayer to be pardoned, there's no room for self-righteousness. There's no room for justification. Well, God, I wouldn't have done this if they wouldn't have done that. Here's what happens. Somebody makes a mistake. Raise your hand if you've ever made a mistake in a relationship. All right. Here's what happens. We make a mistake. Or somebody, has anybody ever hurt you? How many of you have been hurt? Okay, so most of you are lying. Every one of us has been hurt by somebody, right? So the thing is, is I've been hurt. Well, then what I do is this. I begin to complain about the person who hurt me. Amen? Come on, don't be lying in church. Change the sermon real quick. We complain. So what does the Bible say? Philippians 2.14. Do all things without? 
So if I'm complaining, am I sinning? Yes. So what happens is this. Well, God, this is what justification looks like. Well, God, I wouldn't have complained if they wouldn't have done this. No, here's the deal. They sinned and fell short of the glory of God by hurting you. You sinned and put yourself on the same level now as the one who wronged you because you wanted to justify and rationalize your sin of complaining. Anybody wear flip-flops today? (laughs) Big mistake. All right, so (laughs) there's no room for non-committal blanket prayers. When we're praying for a pardon, here's, here's, here's what we so often do. God, forgive me from any sin I may or may not have done today. Come on, right? I want to just, God, just in case I sin, I want to throw a blanket over it. God, just in case I sin, please forgive me. That is not a confession. You're just saying, hey, I want to cover all my bases. Here's what really should happen is I should say, God, check my heart. God, let me see what I'm hiding. Let me help, help me, God, see the pride that I've got going on here. God, help me see the anger. Help me see the issues that I've got because I want to get that out of there. I want to get right with you, God. You guys see, you guys following me on this, right? So, so often we're like, I really don't want to look at my heart because I don't want to see what's there. So God, just forgive me in case I did something. That's not real. That's fake. So in this prayer, when he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, there's two conditions for forgiveness taking place. The first condition, I almost forgot. There we go. I keep forgetting that I have the the phone right there. The first condition is forgive those who've wronged you. That's the first step right there. First thing that happens is this. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So if I want to be forgiven, guess what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to forgive. Check this out. So... In the same passage, my friends, in the same passage, so we're in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. Well, guess what? Verse 14 and verse 15, it says this, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Did you catch that if? It's not, it's an if, it's a condition. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also Forgive you, verse 15, but if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. Here's the deal, pretty simple. If you forgive, then God will forgive you. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Super simple, guys. That's red letters. That's what we call red letters. That's exactly what Jesus said. That's exactly what he meant. What happens, two questions, what happens if you refuse to forgive? then you won't be forgiven. It's that simple. I say, you know what? And here's what, here's what happens. Guys, as a pastor, I hear so many things. Pastor, you don't understand what they did to me. You're right. I don't understand. That God didn't say, well, if they're bad enough, don't forgive them. See, the second question I want to ask you is this. What conditions on forgiveness did Jesus place? If they, if they hurt you over seven times, you don't have to forgive them. Did it say that? Did it say, you know what, if they did something really bad, if they abused you or they hurt you physically, mentally, emotionally, or sexually, if they've done this, then you don't have, does it say that? No. He says, if you want, you must forgive. If you want to be forgiven, you're going to have to forgive. That's not easy, is it? It is. It's really hard to do. 
I'm going to share a story here in just a minute to help us understand this. But I'm going to keep going through. So if I want to be forgiven, I'm going to have to do some forgiving. Second condition that we see in here is this. Forgive me in the same way I forgive others. Forgive us our debts as. That word as is in the same way. Lord, forgive me in the same way I've forgiven others. So if if the forgiveness from God is dependent upon your level of forgiveness for others, how are you doing today? I mean, seriously, if God says, okay, how you forgave this person who hurt you is the same manner I'm going to forgive you, how are we doing? Are we, are we like, man, you know what, God, I forgave just like you forgave me? Or are we saying, you know what, here's my favorite. This is so unscriptural. I forgive them, but I ain't forgetting. There's even a Christian book, it's not Christian, that was written with that title. I'm like, oh, what a bunch of hogwash that is. It is so unscriptural. Guys, if, if you're saying it, Stop. Because it's unbiblical to say that. I'm forgiving, but I won't forget is found nowhere in the Bible. It's not there. You can't find it. In fact, I'm going to show you the absolute opposite. You guys ready? (laughs) Did somebody say, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Okay, Ephesians 4.32 says this. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as... Christ forgave you, okay? Colossians 3, I'm going to start with verse 12, and I'm going to read through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bear with each other, and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against somebody else. So if you have a grievance against somebody else, God says forgive them. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity here's the question so here's what it says bear within each each other and forgive one another listen to this forgive as the Lord forgave you so the question that we have to understand if I'm going to forgive Miss Grace if I'm going to forgive her in the same way that God forgave me then I'm going to have to figure out how did God forgive me You guys got your pencils? I'm going to give you a couple of verses just to help you out. All right, you ready? Psalm 103, verse 12. 103, verse 12. Psalm 103, verse 12. It says this. Our sins as far as east is from west. God takes your sins, your grievances that he has against you when you ask for forgiveness. He takes them and he goes, he takes that sin and he throws it as hard and far as he can to the east. He takes the other one and he throws it as far as he can to the west. What he's doing is he's taking the sin away from you. Are you forgiving others that way? Am I taking that and throwing it as far away from that person as I can? Psalm 51 verse 7, he makes me whiter than snow. He says, I'm going I'm to make you whiter than snow. He's going to take all the blemishes away from you, and I'm going to make you whiter than snow. I'm going to give you the clean slate. Now, before there's going to be a, an area that I've got to get into a little bit about what forgiveness is and what it's not. But I'm right now telling you how God forgave you. 1 Corinthians 13. 
This is, this is what's used at so many <laughs> weddings, but this is for everything in life. Love is patient. This is telling you exactly what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Did you catch the part where it says it's not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs? So what I find is this, when we are keeping a record of all the wrongs of the people who hurt us, that's not love. That's not agape love. See, he says this, agape is patient. Agape is kind. Now, you can love somebody with a filial love. I love you as a brother. I love you with a conditional love. But if you're going to love with the love of God, it comes without conditions. Woo. You guys are really quiet today. You know, I, I've kind of noticed, you know, like we were really super packed before I started talking about prayer. And I'm starting to see more and more open seats each week because prayer is personal. And you know what's a lot easier? If the pastor would just stay out of my business. But guess what? I don't know what your business is, but guess who does? You know what my job every week is? God, what do you want me to say? That's my job. I'm a mailman, not God. I'm not God. I don't know what's going on in your personal life. God does. So the more time I spend with him, the more he gives me to give to you. But that gets hard. It's so hard for us to hear what we really need to hear. It's hard when our toes get stepped on. But we need it if we're going to ever grow up. So here's the deal. I cannot love my wife as God tells me to love my wife if I'm keeping track of her wrongs. If I'm keeping record of her wrongs, I don't love her. <laughs> yeah, no, right, right, right. My wife is so ornery. I love it. <laughs> All right, so our culture has greatly deceived us. When we talk about forgive, but I won't forget. How many of you have heard that before? Just heard it. You've heard that, right? How many of you, on the other hand, have like, you've kind of walked down the road and believed that that's okay? But here's the deal. Think about this. Right now, I hope that I could change your mind because biblically, I am supposed to forgive Cheyenne. I'm supposed to forgive Jeff. I'm supposed to forgive my wife and anyone else who has ever hurt me in the same way that God forgave me. And he says, I'm not going to keep records of your wrongs. I'm going to take your sin as far as the east is from the west. I'm going to make you whiter than snow. So if that's how God forgave me, that's the same forgiveness I'm supposed to give to others. And if I don't, then I don't actually get the forgiveness that I want so badly from God. Now, this is getting hard now, isn't it? 1 Peter 4.8 says this, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. How much is a multitude? Multitude is a lot. Love covers a lot, a multitude of sin. So, I've kind of shared with you just out of this passage, God forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Let me start off by giving you the definition of what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is canceling the debt. That is the definition. You want a definition for forgiveness? Canceling the debt. That's it. Canceling the debt. 
canceling the debt. So in Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35, Jesus tells a story out of response to Peter. You know the guy, the loud mouth. Anybody a loud mouth? You know, like you're the always, you're the, probably the one that an, asks the wrong question at the wrong time. Absolutely, I, yes, I completely see that. So, so you're asking the wrong question. So here's Peter, and he's being very honest. So Peter goes up to God, or Jesus, at this time, right? So he comes up and he asks an honest question. How many times do I have to forgive someone? Up to seven times? I mean, think about this. Peter's probably already kept this record down. He's like, this same guy has messed with me seven times on the same thing. Do I have to forgive him this eighth time? I mean, seven times, that's a perfect number, God. Can we use that number as the going rate here? Right? Jesus, I mean, think about this. Don't we all kind of, God wins enough enough. Have you ever had somebody in your life that just kept doing that and you're just like crying out to God, God wins enough enough. That's what Peter is asking. He's asking what we've all thought. You won't say it in church. You don't want to raise your hands on that one, but we've all thought that. Lord, how many more times do I have to forgive this Yahoo? And so Jesus answers the question, well, not seven times, 77. If you're going to work really hard and count up the 77 times, you really don't understand love at all. It's a lot of record keeping. So Jesus begins to tell them a great parable, a story, to illustrate his point. He says there's a king. Now, I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to make sure I'm going to give you some insight on this king so that you understand the, the, the story. I want you to picture a capital K-I-N-G of lowercase k ing when you think of the king here i want you to think of god the king of kings so he says there's a king who has a kingdom huh our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come right so the king and he wanted this king wanted to settle debts with the people of his kingdom so he brings a servant a servant showed up and he owes 10,000 talents 10,000 talents, guys, is an insurmountable amount of money. This guy couldn't pay it, and I'm telling you, he couldn't pay it in a hundred lifetimes. He is in so much debt to the king, there's no way he's paying it. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. There's no way he is paying this debt. It is too high. 10,000 talents. So he says, Lord, be patient with me. Be merciful to me. I will pay it back. The king has compassion, moved with mercy, and he says to him, your debt is forgiven. He canceled the 10,000 talents. You don't owe me anything. That's forgiveness. I'm canceling that. You owe me nothing. That's forgiveness. So the servant leaves this place having his having experienced patience and mercy and forgiveness, his debt is now canceled. What does he do? He doesn't go out and celebrate. He doesn't thank God, the, the, the king of kings, for this. He runs out and he finds somebody who owes him a hundred denarii. To give you an idea of what a denarii is, a, denar- a single denarii would be what you would earn in a day's wage. So this guy owed him a little over three months of back rent. You guys following me? Three months. 
This guy owed somebody else 10,000 talents. He was never going to pay that in a, in a hundred lifetimes. Here's somebody who's three months behind on rent, and he takes him, throws him into jail until he's able to pay it all. The king finds out about this, takes this man, this servant who experienced all the mercy and forgiveness, threw him into jail. And this is actually straight out of the word. Let me read this for you. In verse 34, it says this, And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that is due. So my heavenly Father, you hearing me? So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother for his trespasses. Atheism is not going to be the number one reason that people don't get to heaven agnosticism you know what the number one reason when people are not going to go to heaven is because of unforgiveness i believe that with everything that i am i believe that that's going to be the number one if you were to to add it up and tally it up at the end of the day i think that that's going to be the number one reason that keeps people out of heaven because think about this if i won't forgive then i'm not forgiven then how do i get into the kingdom of heaven so forgiveness is canceling the debt he showed this picture of the servant so in the same way you could never pay off the debt that you owe god And what God is trying to show us in this passage is that the forgiveness that you got from God is greater than any forgiveness you can give to another person no matter how bad they are. You guys hear me on that? <clears throat> There's a great book out there I would encourage you guys to look up. It's called Enemies of the Heart by Andy Stanley. You recognize the name? A great book. My sister um, shared it with me a while back and I read it and it is phenomenal. It talks about four different emotions that you allow to destroy your heart. One of those such emotions in this book was called anger. Heard of it, right? Anger tells you, and it, what, what anger does is it says, you owe me. If you have anger in your heart, someone owes you. Whoever you're angry at, they owe you. That's what anger says. Anger says, you owe me an apology. You owe me 10 years of my life. You owe me my childhood. You owe me 20 bucks from high school. Sorry, Jared, I'll get it to you later. But, but anger says that you owe me something. And the only way to remove the anger from your heart is forgiveness to cancel the debt. Whatever you say that person owes you, cancel the debt. Cancel it. You don't owe me anything. That's the only way to get anger out of your heart. I have met people who love the Lord, attend church every single day that the doors are open, but they would not forgive people, and they were so angry and bitter. How does somebody full of the Holy Spirit become angry and bitter? Because they're not full of the Holy Spirit. They gave the devil a seat at their table. They took the bait of Satan, however you want to describe it. There's a hundred books written about it. Listen to me. Forgiveness is canceling the debt. But listen here. Not 
because they deserve it, but because God said so. See, when you are able to simplify your life and just do it because God says so, it changes everything. Guys, I'm telling you, forgiveness is easy. Nope, let me take that back. Forgiveness is simple, maybe not easy. It is super simple because what it is is this. God says, cancel the debt. That's not, it's not, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that I am to cancel that debt, right? It doesn't take, it's not a complicated thing. It may be hard to do, but it's not complicated. It's easy. Do what God says and it's going to go better for you. You guys got, I mean, here's, I just love it. It's so simple. I'm going to forgive this Yahoo, not because they deserve the forgiveness, but I'm going to do it because God told me to do it and I want to bring him glory and honor. Because God forgave me and I didn't deserve it either. The wages of sin is death. That's what I deserve. I deserve hell. I deserve damnation. I deserve, I deserve an eternity away from God. That's what I deserve. But God in his merciful compassion forgave me. He gave me a free gift of forgiveness. I did not deserve he did it, and then he said, now I want you to do to others as I have done to you. In the same way that I forgave you, I want you to teach the whole world about my love through forgiveness. Now, let me tell you something that's really important, because before you all check out, some of you are like already upset and angry and like, I do not like this sermon at all. I will give you, I'm going to throw one bone out there. <laughs> all right, here we go, one. Forgiveness is not Reconciliation. I told you what it is. It's canceling the debt. I will tell you what it's not. Forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. There's going to be some relationships in your life that you're going to have to forgive that person, but you're never going to reconcile with that person. That's going to be, that's reality. And there are some relationships because they're so toxic, shouldn't reconcile. And there's going to be a lot of reasons why you may not reconcile, but I'm wanting you to understand is that forgiveness does not mean automatic reconciliation. I got I got I got I'm on I'm on track there. I, I forgot over here. Okay, so just because you forgive someone does not mean that you're right with them. Doesn't mean that things are okay. But you got to cancel the debt. You cancel the debt and and it may not Jared and I may have a, an issue between us and I said, "You know what? I'm going to forgive this debt. I got to forgive him so that my heart is right." But it doesn't mean that we're right yet. There's going to have to be a conversation had to make it right. You can't have reconciliation without the conversation. So many of us want to have recon we, we want to be reconciled without conversations. Doesn't happen. What you end up doing is you forgive them, you walk through a fractured relationship just hoping, hoping and hoping that you leave it under the rug long enough, they'll forget that it's under the rug. That's not real. Relationships are messy. You're going to have to talk about the garbage between the two of you. Or it'll stay there. Matthew 18, still the same passage. So before Peter ever said, God, how many times do I literally have to forgive somebody? Before Jesus told him that answer, he was already teaching them about reconciliation. I wanted to talk about forgiveness. That's why I did that one first. But in Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20, Jesus tells them and teaches them very simply and carefully how to reconcile relationships. Listen to this. See if you've ever heard it before. 
If someone sins against you, go to him and tell him his fault. Just you and him. How many of you have heard that before? If somebody's wronged you, go to them. Just you and them. Really, keep your hands up. If you've ever heard it, maybe you've never heard that today's the first time that the good that I can teach you. So most of you in this room have heard that before, right? Now, this is a rhetorical question. Don't raise your hand. But how many of us really do that? See, what most of us do is when somebody wrongs us, we go to talk to somebody else about that person. Now we've included someone else in the drama without actually doing what God told us to do. What did God, see, this is Jesus here, his red letters. If someone sins against you, you go to him and him alone, not Facebook. You kidding me? The passive aggressiveness of people today, we are so powerful behind this little tiny screen. Oh, you know what? I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking and post it for the whole world to see. What we do is this. Somebody wrongs us, and rightfully so, we're upset. But instead of doing the biblical thing and going to them, what we decide is I'm posting it all over the world. Just because somebody else sins doesn't make it okay for you to sin. See, then we start justifying our behavior. We start saying, well, you know, I would never have posted that if somebody wouldn't have done this, and I would never have done that. Don't be justifying your sin now. Remember, we're both going to the Lord in prayer and saying, God, I'm a guilty sinner that needs forgiveness, but I'm going to have to forgive this, this Yahoo that hurt my feelings. Well. Pastor Paul's got a lot of notes. He's probably really thankful that right now he's not doing the digging deeper class right now. He's like, ooh. See, if someone sins against you, what Jesus told us, he told us the, the exact thing to do. You go to them. You have a conversation. Then, if they don't listen to you, the second step was pretty easy too. Now you take somebody with you that sees the, the same attitude, the same behavior. Now the two of you go together. And if they still don't listen, then you take it to the church, not in the middle of a worship service. Hey, pastor, while you're talking about this, I got something to unload. No, that would be like where you call the elders of the church, the leadership, and you say, hey, this person, I'm trying to reconcile with them, but this is not working out. But the problem is, is this, we aren't obedient that's the problem. If we're, gonna, if we're just going to put the problem down, it's because I'm not obedient. I am too scared of conflict to go to the person and have a conversation that needs to be had. I'm scared. Can we be honest about that? I, don't, I hate conflict. Anybody else? Like, I, I, would, I would love to have a house full of rugs and all the problems swept under all the rugs and just keep putting on more rugs. My wife is the opposite. She's like, let's do this. She's got the battle gear and the sword and the shield, and she's like, I'm ready. And she's clanking the sword. Let's have a conversation. I'm like, lioness, I'm an otter. I know what lions do to otters. They eat otters. I want to live. But you know what? My wife's not wrong. She doesn't enjoy it. I used to think she did. I'm like, you live for conflict. No, she doesn't live for conflict. She really doesn't. I misunderstood my wife. My wife knows she's smarter than me in this area. I'll just say that, in this area. Not in all areas, but most of them. In this one especially. And I'm going to go to the side. So 
can I, have a, can I get a ride home from church today? <laughs> oh, so we did, we did drive separate, so I'm okay. So, but, but the thing is, is that what my wife knew is this, there is no reconciliation without a conversation. And if I don't have the conversation, if I'm not bold enough and brave enough and godly enough, you hear me? I can't be godly if I'm not even willing to have the conversation that Jesus told me to have. See, there needs to be some conversations in our marriages today. There needs to be some conversations between parents and their kids today. There needs to be some conversations between members today. There needs to be some conversations had between friends. And you're going to have to be courageous enough to have it. You're not, everybody's like, well, what happens? Quit worrying about what they're going to say or not say. Quit having the conversation in your head before you have the conversation. That's what crazy people do. That's what I do. So, I mean, you know, like, I remember growing up, I, like every time as a church pastor, you know, like when I was first a pastor, I was always like, well, what happens if they say this? What will I say? And what if they do this? What will I do? And then I started learning that, you know what? It's driving me crazy. I'm so stressed out. My blood pressure is through the roof. I just can't worry about what they're going to do or not do. I know what I have to do. I need to have this conversation. I need to bring up the garbage that, that just isn't going away. We need to have a talk. I love you, but I'm frustrated with you or I'm hurt by you. We need to talk about something that's between us so that it doesn't have to be there anymore. Again, God's plan for reconciliation is so simple. Have the conversation. The moment you put this on Facebook, the moment you go talk to a friend, the moment you pick up and call someone else to tell them about how somebody hurt you, you are now in sin. That's backbiting, slander, gossip, complaining. I could add more. You get what I'm saying? We don't realize when God put this in the Word, it was for us to grow. It was for us to deal with stuff. But we, are, we live in this culture that we hide behind our phones and we are so willing to walk away from relationships because we don't want to have a conversation. So we'll leave relationships broken and splintered and fractured because we're too afraid to talk about the problems between us. That is not godliness. That's fear. And you know what? If you keep living in fear, that relationship will be broken forever. So what you're so afraid of is going to happen if you don't find the bravery to do something about it. So I asked the question, why, do we, why is this so difficult? I thought of Cheyenne this week. One of the things that she says so often is she goes, we, we, we need to keep thinking the best of people. One of the reasons why we don't have a conversation with somebody is because we're already thinking the worst in them. Did you know that nine times out of ten, whatever that conversation is going to be had, is over miscommunication and a misunderstanding of you misunderstanding what they meant by what they said? Nine times out of ten, it's going to turn out to be nothing, and you stressed out months over nothing. The whole time, the whole time, guys, the whole time, you took something and you assumed what they meant by it. I've heard, you know, acronyms and, and other things about that. We won't get into that because I'd, I don't want, but you can imagine what, what assumptions can do, right? Gets you in a lot of trouble, just to say that. 
Another, another reason why sometimes we don't have this conversation is because we allowed the devil to sit at our table. And we've allowed that devil to tell us all about that person and what they meant. We stopped believing the best in them. And then we allowed the devil to make us believe the worst in them. Any, any takers on that one? That's why I'm so glad. It's not an accident that we're studying. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table on Wednesday nights. It's not too late to join that. Just show up Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, right in here. <clears throat> the last one is that we avoid conflict. I don't want to have the conversation because I don't want to have any conflict. So what we do is we say, well, I forgave them. How many times have we forgiven somebody, but we still have all that stuff in there? Right? Come on. I forgive you, but I can't stand you because you haven't had the conversation yet. Relationships are messy. They're messy, they're messy, they're messy, but they're worth. They're worth it. It's worth it. Can you imagine if... If Jesus treated you in the same way of like, man, I, I'm really upset with that person. I just don't really want to have a, have a heart talk with them right now because I don't want to have any conflict between them, so I'm just going to let them drift away. What if Jesus did that? We sang about a reckless love, how he leaves the 99. He runs over hills, knocks down walls. Jesus is relentless at pursuing you. Why don't we pursue others like Jesus pursued us? Okay, so there's two types of forgiveness that I want to do, and we're going to do this pretty quickly. One is transactional. Transactional forgiveness is to forgive a person who repents of what they did against you. So I, I put this right here because I said forgiveness is not the same as, as, as reconciliation, but sometimes transactional is when, hey, that person, that can, they confess what they've done. Hey, I wronged you. Or maybe you go to them and you say, you hurt me. And they're like, I'm so sorry. Let's transact. Okay. Well, high five this out. Boom. You know what's so amazing about guys? <laughs> I remember. I, got, I only got like one fist fight my entire life. I, I was in fifth grade, got in a fist fight. And then me and this guy, two days later, were best friends for like ever. You know, like you can like be swinging you throw each other on the ground, kick it, have black eyes. Two days later, we're high-fiving it. And girls? So transactional forgiveness is a person who repents of... Thank you, Pastor Paul. I, I needed that. You, say, you got me out of trouble. Transactional, this is when we have that conversation and they say, you know what, I'm sorry. There's nothing greater. You know, there's times when my wife, when we were having a lot of marital issues and she was, she was, she was bringing all these, she was coming to me and she's like, you're doing this to me. And I didn't want to accept it. I didn't want to see it. And it wasn't until I really started listening to her and I sat back and I'm like, I am doing that. And then I was able to say, honey, you're right. I'm sorry. Changed everything in our marriage changed everything <clears throat> see transactional is when there's a desire desire to make things right between each other 
All right, the other one is this, unilateral. (laughs) Unilateral is to forgive when they did not ask for it. Okay? Maybe because it's a small infraction. Guys, you don't need to have a conversation over every little thing. Right, Barbara? I'm just kidding. Seizing. I'm totally, totally, I'm so much trouble. So, no, so the thing is, is this. So I don't need to have a conversation over every time somebody stepped on my toe, over every time somebody hurt my feelings. Sometimes it's a small infraction. I just need to forgive and move forward and, and just, you know, hey, I'm just going to chalk this up to, 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 to a frustrated day. Not everything needs to have a conversation. But if you're not getting over the infraction in your heart, then you need to have a conversation. The other part of unilateral forgiveness is when they have passed on, maybe moved away, you don't have contact with them, and you just need to let that stuff go. The past is the past, so you need to move on with your own life. Maybe unilateral forgiveness happens When they're not sorry. When somebody hurt you and they don't care that they hurt you. You forgive them anyways, but there's not going to be a reconciliation in that relationship. Some relationships are not going to be reconciled. Sometimes somebody is so abusive, so hurtful, that you need to forgive them and sever that relationship right now. You will not hurt me anymore. I can't do it. See, God commands us to forgive. Reconciliation is between two people. Sometimes one of those two don't want reconciliation. And sometimes two out of two don't want reconciliation. But forgiveness is still commanded. You still have to forgive. No matter what, you got to forgive. I know this is hard. Because some of you have been hurt really bad. And you've been hurt really deeply. But let me share this with you. I bolded it so I would not forget to say it. If you don't forgive, you will be held hostage by your anger the rest of your life. You forgive so that you can walk in freedom. Freedom from carrying a burden of debt you were never designed to carry in the first place. Sometimes, though, we get comfortable with that pain and we get comfortable with that anger and we start using that unforgiveness, you don't understand what they've done to me, and we play the victim card. Sometimes we use this victim card because we want people to feel sorry for us. And all it will do is it will ruin your life. Last thing I'm going to share about forgiveness. Forgiveness is a decision, not a feeling. (laughs) I don't feel like forgiving. (laughs) Right? I don't feel emotionally like I want to forgive you. So that's super important to understand that good It's not based upon how you feel. It's based upon your decision. I am going to decide to forgive. We often allow and follow our emotions rather than following truth. Right? 
So you choose to forgive. Then you let your emotions catch up. Okay? You choose. You make a choice. And you know what's really awesome? You can make that choice today. I am not carrying that person's debt over me anymore. You don't have to carry the debt. It's not even your debt. Let God deal with it. You cancel the debt so that you're free. It's your freedom that you need. You may not be able to control your feelings right now, but you can control your choices. And you can choose to forgive. I so often hear people say, well, I can't. You know, one of the things that I really, you just ask my redheaded daughter what I think of the word can't. Well, I can't stand that word. Can't, can't do anything. The moment you say you can't, you won't. You've already shut the door. You've already lost the race, whatever it is. You've already lost the moment you say, I can't. Because now you're not even leaving room for God to do something. You've just taken it all out and you've already lost before you started. So, here's what I want today. I want to encourage you. So, now that we feel our toes are all stepped on, our flat feet, and guys, messages are not meant to be easy. You know, we're not, we don't, I hope that you don't show up to church because you want something fluffy and, and you want to you get something that, that, that doesn't challenge you or push you or, or help push you to strive to be better because this is the wrong church. If you're wanting that, this is not it. Because every single week, I'm going to bring it with everything I've got because I know that we need it. I need it. So I want you to bow your heads for a moment this morning. And maybe you've been living under some misunderstanding of what forgiveness really is. Maybe you've thought all these years, I can forgive, but I don't have to forget. Maybe you've been storing up a whole bunch of records of a whole bunch of people who've hurt you along the road. And my prayer before I ever got here today was that that burden would be so heavy today that you would not be willing to take it out of this room. So as your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, an invitation is exactly that. It's an opportunity for you to do something with what you've learned. Some of you are carrying around a debt God never designed you to carry. I want to I sometimes just want to pull everybody out of the seats and make them do what they should do, but I can't make you. I can't make anyone do anything, but I can invite you to come up here today and put all of that anger on this altar and leave it there. Today, you can take everything that anybody's ever done to you and you can drop it off. God, I'm not carrying this anymore. I don't want it. I wasn't designed to carry it. I'm done with carrying this anger in my life. Maybe today is the day that you ask God. Maybe you already have forgiven, but you don't know what to do next. Maybe today is that day where you say, God, 
I'm going to come to that altar and I'm going to drop to my knees and I'm going to ask you to give me strength to have a conversation that I'm terrified about. Maybe you've hurt somebody really bad and you need to make it right with them. Don't carry it. Don't carry that unforgiveness one more moment. You let it go. You put it down. Ask God to take it from you.